Okay, there we go, maybe. Uh, I, it's sort of a mystery nowadays as to whether it works or it doesn't work, and I appreciate it. Um, I just want to thank you for being here this morning. Uh, you are the people that, uh, that show up. And I like everybody else that comes, too. They are here. Not only is it good for you, but it's encouraging for us. And I just want you to know that that's true and that you are appreciated both for who you are and that you're here. And thank you again. This morning as uh, we start, there is a poem that was written by a lieutenant colonel, John McRae, in 15 in the First World War after a major battle. He was burying one of his friends and he penned this particular poem. In Flanders' field the poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place and in the sky, the lark still bravely singing fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and lie in Flanders' field. Our quarrel with the foe, you from falling, failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' field. Those who have given their lives that we can have this civil freedom that we have. It has been a long time in coming. Mankind has striven for centuries to get where we are today. And we must not let it slip through our fingers. We must be both members of God's kingdom that are faithful, but we also need to be faithful members of our society and of our country, ensuring the freedom not only of ourselves, but those who are around us. Some of them we agree with, some of them we disagree with. But we are citizens together. And the freedom that we enjoy depends upon a citizenship that is willing to take responsibility. And I greatly appreciate those who have given their lives so that we can have this country and we can live in this place in a sense of security. The price of freedom is innocent blood. It has always been so. And so we think of those who fought and died on our behalf. We also think, however, of a carpenter in Nazareth who also was innocent and shed his blood for you and for me. And after receiving in a personal way the life that Christ has given us, we honor him by being his people and living faithfully. Today, I want to call your attention to a lady that illustrates this matter of devotion and of feeling. In scripture, there are four different descriptions of a woman coming and anointing Christ. As I look at this carefully, I think they are three separate occasions. Some people think that they are descriptions of the same occasion. But as I look at it, I see three distinct occasions. The, the account we're going to read today is 
uh, in Matthew. But the also seems to be the description of the same occasion. There is also one in Luke and one in John, and those seem to be a different time and a different place, but very similar uh, in nature. And so in Matthew, the 26th chapter, starting with verse 6, for those of you that want to turn to it, we'll give you just a second to do so. Matthew 26, verse 6, we do not know for sure who this woman is. Some people think it was Mary Magdalene, some Mary, uh, the, the uh, sister of Lazarus. Other people think it is an unknown woman uh, who was there. But we don't really know who exactly that is. But here's what it says in Matthew 26, starting with verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured the perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in her memory. In our passage, we see a woman's devotion to Christ. She wanted people... He was her Lord to give the best that she had. And in that case, Jesus said, this lady will be remembered for her selfless act. The real fact of the matter is, the way we live writes our funeral message. All of us here, unless Christ returns first, all of us here at one point or another will face death. And when we are gone, what we have done in this life is what people will remember about us. But I'm going to tell you the whole point of this message, and then I'm going to preach it. Some of you say, well, now you can quit. But I'm going to tell you the whole point. And the whole point is, how will you be remembered? What will your children say about you? Your friends and your neighbors? What kind of life will you have lived that either will contribute to their lives or take away. What kind of life have you lived? We write our funeral message by the life we remember, by the life we live. On the field of battle, those who have fought and died are remembered for their heroism and their sacrifice, and appropriately so. This woman is remembered because of the lavish gift that she gave to Christ, the devotion she showed. I may not know anything else about her, but her example is significant and has great impact on the world in which we live. In my view, there are four possibilities of ways to be remembered. These are the, the, there are four reports of Jesus, and there are four ways that we can be remembered. We can be remembered by our selfless 
approach to life. We clearly read that she approached Jesus. But why was this selfless for her? Well, she lived in a male-dominated society. One where men ate separately. And women were not welcome there. And yet, she took the chance. She took the risk of breaking in on the men's meal and breaking this perfume, this nard, this beautiful smelling oil uh, and anointing Jesus. She took that chance. She may have been rejected. She could have been rejected because of what she did, but she took that chance. She would take what was a brazen act in reality because of her devotion to Christ. She wanted to honor him. She wanted to honor what he had done for her. She was unashamed to let everyone know that she was devoted to him. I dare say she wanted the men of the, around the table to know he was her Lord. It was selfless. It was selfless. The question is, well, how will we be remembered? Will we be remembered because of our selflessness? It seems like to me that selflessness is uncommon today. It is something you don't see a lot of the time. Now, sometimes when we have tragedies like this, the nation seems to rise to the occasion. And that's important. But what about day in and day out? It seems to me that selfishness is in view of it's all about me. I'm always interested in those commercials that we've had in the past that have talked about I deserve it or all about what I want. It's all about me. It's all about what I can get. This is the way the world seems to direct the opposition to the Lord. We are a nation even in our recession that we've had. We are still a nation of great prosperity. Most of us are not concerned with whether we'll have something to eat today. What we're concerned is, what will it be? What do I want today? For others of us, people like myself, I have to what I want and limit the amount of calories that it has. So I don't get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, we live in that kind of society where we have so much that sometimes we lose track of the fact that we need to be selfless people. The government does a lot. In the past, the community did. The church did. And as a result, some of us don't feel as responsible for those in need around us. We don't realize their need. It seems like the American way right now is to get all you can while you can. All you can while you can. And that is in direct opposition to what the Lord has taught us. Here is a woman who gives us a clear, crystal clear view of what means to Christ. It is clear and easy to see what she has what she has done. She is wholly devoted. She has committed her life. She has come to Jesus with complete abandon, with total selflessness, with whole devotion. And it's all about 
him and not all about her. I I submit that too often we are consumed with self. We are consumed with self. We have difficulty because we are consumed with self. And when I am consumed with self, I cannot be consumed with the Savior. When we are consumed with the Savior, however, we can take on his passions, which can focus on someone other than ourselves. Have you ever felt depressed? For some of us, that's a fairly common event. Sometimes we are that way because the chemical balance in our body is not quite what it should be. If it should should be, other times events have have driven us to depression in one way or another. Or others of us have watched television way too long, which, by the way, often leads to the feeling of depression. But when we're depressed, my experience is the best thing we can do is get up and go do something. I used to have a lady in my congregation in Oakland who was suffered from depression. And one of the things that she would do was go into her bedroom, pull the blinds down, and get in bed. Friends, if I wasn't depressed before I did that, I would be depressed after I did that. And yet she would make her situation worse. It is easier to fight depression when we're thinking about somebody else, when we're working towards somebody else. There is a story told, and it was told to me as a true story, though I'm not going to testify it is, of an elderly man who lived in the neighborhood who grew vegetables and such in his backyard. And about once a week, he would go to his neighbors to sell the vegetables that he grew. He was a Christian man. However, he wore mismatched shoes all the time. His shoes were never the same. They were also old. And yet each week he would come. And many of his neighbors had gotten in the habit of having him come in, have a cup of coffee, and they would talk. And often before they would leave, he would insist that he pray for them. And he would leave. One week he came to a family and he said, I've had a wonderful blessing. Someone left a sack of good new shoes on my, on my uh, steps. And they say, well, brother, what did you do with it? He says, the Lord blessed me even more. He took me to some people that really needed those shoes. Selflessness. I'm not suggesting that you give away your shoes. Although some of you could. Admit it. Admit it. Some of you could. Some of you can't find a place to put another pair. But uh, selflessness. Thinking about someone else. Thinking about someone else. How many of us will be remembered for selflessness? Certainly Jesus has, de- has demonstrated his selflessness because he came. Jesus, who is God, who sat on the throne. The book of Hebrews describes him as being there before God in that privileged position. Yet he came as a baby, lived as you and I live, experienced what you and I experienced, died unjustly, 
and thank the Lord rose again for you and for me. A selfless act. A selfless act. The woman demonstrated a selfless act. And so Jesus said in John, the 20th chapter, the 21st verse, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. We are in fact we have arms that can encircle those who are sad and crying. We are the hands that can do something to help people who are in trouble that we know. We are the feet that can go when it's necessary. Us in here are more privileged financially than others of us. And we can give a little more. We can share a little more. And so we should. We are called to think more highly of others than of ourselves. This is not the pattern that we're taught in this society. It's one that's hard to break. Were you to die this minute, would people remember you as a selfless person or a selfish person? How would they look at you? What would they see? Also, you could be remembered by your sacrificial actions as well. We think of those men and women who gave their lives in, in defense of the nation. These are people that did sacrificial actions. Sacrifice means to do without, or to give up, or to forego, or to let go, or even surrender. Some of us give out of our abundance. I don't want to discourage that, by the way. But for some of us, probably not many in this room, but some of us can give and never miss what we give. It never changes anything about our lifestyle. It never changes anything about what we do. On the whole today, we are not about doing without. We are about doing with. That's the reason we have credit cards. We have credit cards so we can do with. The problem is they expect us to pay it back. You know, credit cards, if you could use them, and then they'd forget that you used them. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Some of us get ourselves in trouble because we can't control those credit cards. If you're one of those, cut them up and get rid of them so you don't have that problem. That's the easiest way to deal with that. We get addicted, and we need to cut it up. But that's a reason for credit cards, so I can have it today so I don't have to put it off so I can go get it now. And so I meet people pretty often who say, well, every penny I have is committed. I can't give more. Or I can't give at all. Well, how, do we gonna, how are we going to be remembered? How are we going to be remembered? As people who take sacrificial actions? Or people who are self-absorbed? Sacrifice is written on the pages of the Bible everywhere you go. It is woven, it should be woven, into the life of a believer. My friends, self, uh, sacrificial action is not an option for a Christian. There are some things we are called to do that are clear enough that it is not an, a choice it is what we are compelled to do. It's what we are compelled to do. 
Let's take a cue from this devoted woman. She came to the dinner. She brought the to honor Jesus. It was a sign of respect. It was a sign of hospitality to anoint your guests. But she went on above and beyond. She didn't just anoint the guests. She gave everything. She broke the entire bottle. She could have just used part of it and gotten and been thought to get away with it. She did what was expected and then some. I would submit to you that one of the principles that we need to work on, I do too, is the and, and then some principle. The best employees that a person can have are the ones who do what they're expected to do and then some. The best servants we can have are those who will do what they're expected to do and then some. The best people we can have as members of this congregation are the people who do what is expected and then some. The best staff we can have is the one who does what they need to do and then some. The best parents that a child can have is parents who do what, need, who, what is expected as parents and then some. And then some. The principle of and then some is that principle that drives sacrifice, sacrificial actions, and then some. We would do well to learn this principle of then some. She didn't give the cheapest oil she could find. She gave the very best oil she could find. In an expense, she broke the bottle to put it on our Lord. And she used it all. All of it. It's very expensive. I read this week, I was trying to find out how expensive might that have been. And one of the authors that I read said, minimum wage. How much do they earn at the end? Probably how much that cost. A year's wage to get. She could have sold it. She could have kept the money. She could have donated it. But she willingly and devotedly gave it to her Lord. Let me ask today, what's your bottle of perfume? Perfume. What is it that you have, that you have given your all, that's more important to you than life itself? Or will you be remembered as one who hoards or one who gives? One who hoards or one who gives? I've had occasion to lead workshops of uh, administrators, school administrators mainly. And it's interesting to talk to them and to share with them. And of course, you've all heard this illustration, but one that is germane to them, and I've used it often, and that is you've never seen a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse. You may be the best principal as an administrator in the world, but what's happening to your family? What's happening to those that are working with you? Are they growing as individuals? Are they better for having known you? Or does your school just run efficiently? What is it? What's most important? 
what do you put first? Only what's done for Christ will last. My mother gave me that plaque. One life will soon be done. Only what's done for Christ will last. When I went to college, she gave me that little, they used to have the um, ones that had the fuzzy stuff on them. You remember that? The signs that some of us who are really old remember those? And that was what that sign said. And I put it up in my room and didn't really quite understand what she was saying. But it was important that we have it. What is your bottle of perfume? What is it that you need to give? Jesus talked about the fact that people will be, or I should say, Abraham Lincoln talked about some people that will be remembered. When he said in the Gettysburg Address, the world will nor long remember what we say here, but we can never forget what they did here. Our Lord called us to take up our cross and to follow him. Take up our cross and follow him. Or will you be remembered by sinful attitudes? That's a possibility. Selfless, sacrificial, or sinful attitudes. Let's return to our story. The men are eating. The woman comes in with this extravagant bottle of perfume and anoints Jesus with it. She shocks them all because she used the entire bottle, all of it. And some around the ten, some around that table that to conserve and control got really upset. It says with indignation. They were indignant. This is terribly wasteful. What are you doing? Every time I read the passage, it causes me to wonder. Since kingdom principles seem opposite of worldly principles and world philosophies, do you suppose what we call waste, God calls his? What the world calls right, he calls wrong? What we say is enough, and he says to us, you've just gotten started. Is that a possibility? The disciples, by the way, led by Judas, that should tell you something. The disciples, led by Judas, attempted to put a righteous spin on their objections. You see, Judas others had heard the teachings of Jesus about taking care of the poor, so they reached back to the issue to mask their greed and their selfishness. These two attitudes are ugly to wear. And selfishness. What, you will be, what will you be remembered by? Candidly, the disciples did not see the need to spend this kind of money on Jesus. They saw this act of devotion as wasteful. As wasteful. Even today, we recognize who was leading them. It was Judas who was leading them. Our sinful attitudes can be the result of who we are following or even around with. Proverbs 22, verses 24 through 25 says this, don't make a mistake, friends, with an, don't make friends with an angry man and don't be compa- a companion of a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and entangle yourselves in his snare. You've heard birds of a feather. What's that? Birds of a feather. Walk together. We become like those we associate with. We take on the characteristics of the people who are around us. 
hopefully, if we have some good characteristics, they take on some of ours. But if you have teenagers, you're more concerned about, will they take on the other kids' characteristics? Who we choose to hang around with. Does that mean we ignore everybody else in the world? No, that's not what we're talking about. But who do we chose, choose to be our very closest friends? Who do we choose to model on? Who are the people whose, uh, whose approval really counts? We want those people to be people that are Christ-like. People that lead us toward the kingdom rather than away from the kingdom. It is important that we surround ourselves with people who are devoted to our closest friends. Again, I'm not telling you you don't have friends outside. That, of course, you do. We are Christian brothers. We need to love our neighbors regardless of whether our neighbors... But who do I let influence me? Who do I stand closest to? I, I've told you I've taught student teachers. And I always told my student teachers that when they go into a school, they need to find the place where the positive people are. That is often not in the teacher's room. Once in a while it's in the teacher's room, but not usually. And I said to them, if you go in the teacher's room and it's a negative place, I want you to walk out. And then start walking around the, the school, looking in classrooms of teachers who have lunchtime at the same time you do, and what you'll usually find is a little group of three or four people who are so excited about teaching they can't stand the teaching room, teacher's room. And they're in that classroom just having a great time talking about what they can do to improve their teaching, what they can do for the kids, what they can do to help each other. There's usually a, a little group doing that. And I tell my student teachers, that's where you want to be. You want to be with them and not with the other people. You know what? You want to be with excited Christians. You want to be with Christians who are an example of what you want to become. Those are the people you want as your very closest friends, your very closest companions. We tend to take on the characteristics of the people that we're with all of the time. And so we want to run with people who will lead us toward Christ and not away. So will you be remembered as selfless? Will you be remembered as sacrificial? Or will you be remembered as greedy and selfish? Fourth, will you be remembered by your servant attitudes? I would be served well, you would be served well, to check on my life focus. Do people see me as a servant of God? Am I here to serve or be served? There comes a time for strength, but that only comes after a time of submission. For it is in our weakness that Christ is strong. He is made strong in our weakness. We must submit to him. It is only in our submission to him that we are truly saved People don't care for this word, submission. In our society, we don't want to submit. I remember I was in Oakland, and I was with a group of young people, and we would talk about stewardship. Well, at that time, Oakland was a Navy town. Alameda and Oakland were a Navy town. The aircraft carriers put in at Alameda Naval Air Station. And so it was a Navy town. 
And so I had kids there whose parents were in the Navy. And when I talked about stewardship, I could see on their face they didn't like that one much. Because, you see, stewards in the Navy are the ones who serve the officers. And so we had to talk about stewardship and what stewards were in the first place in order to understand. But we are to submit to Jesus Christ. It is that attitude of submission that is important. If we really want to serve, we have to submit. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, is what Paul told the jailer. And the jailer humbled himself and asked Jesus to save him, and he became a different person. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. This is what he demands. Nothing less. And he can demand it because he has given his all for you. He has given his all for you. Following Jesus is about forsaking all else, having no other gods. In the process, we become his servants who are known because of our likeness to him. He gave his all so we can have it all. His demand is to show him to others by how we live, day in and day out. Jesus died on the outside of the city. The question is, what have we done for Christ? What will we be remembered for, for Christ, that's worthy of his death? never earn it. But we can submit to him and to serve him. How will you be remembered? What do you want your children to say about you? Young people, I know you're pretty young to worry about it. And yet it's where it starts. It's where it starts. Our life pattern starts early. How do we want people to remember us? Selfish or selfless? Christ gave his all for us. I ask the Lord to help me to be remembered as a man of God who was selfless and sacrificial. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love and your care and the fact that you give us your Holy Spirit. I ask that that Holy Spirit will lead us and direct us as we submit to you. And we ask that then in Jesus' name. Amen.